live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, broadcasting from Alexandria, Virginia, in the beautiful mid-Atlantic part of the United States of America. We're really honored today to bring to you part two of our interview with our new national leaders, Commissioners Kenneth and Jolene Hodder. If you missed part one, just scroll back up, download it, give it a listen, and you can jump right in here with part two. Jeff McDonald, our editorial director, sat down with me and the Hotters a few weeks ago to do uh, this interview. Jeff, what do you uh, what do you think of our time with the Hotters? I thought it was so um, enjoyable and really fascinating. And I think you know, listeners on on this uh, segment will hear about how their experience, the Hotters' experience in Africa. Uh, it brought in their uh, understanding of what the kingdom of God means and how it, you know, they contrast it with uh, the emphasis on individualism in the Western world compared to the emphasis on community that they experienced in Kenya. Uh, and, and from that, they have a deeper understanding, which is particularly pertinent now as the army really reaches out in communities across the country in relief of the uh, coronavirus um, pandemic. So, and, you know, I thought I find them very personable and down to earth. Um, and, you know, given that they have such broad background and education, it's really a, a pleasure to speak with them. They're both uh, well-written. They, uh, I think Commissioner Jolene has done a couple of books uh, already. Um, and Commissioner has, he's got a persona, uh, for the stage. And when he, he speaks, you know, he's, he's uh, very clear and very articulate and very thoughtful uh, in his presentation. Mm. You know, it's interesting too, Commissioner uh, Jolene Hutter, you know, kind of uh, reinforced a theme we've been hearing from other people about uh, the importance of uh, women in ministry and how they look forward to the army developing women leaders. She has some comments about that as well. Yeah. And I think, we're moving past the point of talk uh, into action. And I think we're going to see under their leadership here uh, a lot of transitions uh, with that. And um, there's a lot to, lot to be said about that particular issue. And we probably can devote a whole issue of the war cry and a, and a couple of podcasts to that as we go forward. So I, I think there was a lot of good takeaways. You've been here our listeners may, you know, know, or maybe they may not know, but you've been through a transition of many national commanders in your tenure mm-hmm. with with the <laughs> with the Salvation Army. What are what are some of the things that you know you kind of look for in new leadership that that comes our way? It's really interesting when I look at you know each national commander I've uh, had the privilege of working under or with is has their own style, but I, I find each one to be so very incisive in understanding 
not just the mission of the army, but also the place of God's presence in our world today. And I really look forward to these new folks sharing their perspective in that way. Also, um, the national commander uh, has become more and more, I think, visible, prominent in uh, expanding circles, advisory boards, uh, government officials, private industry, community groups, and even worldwide. So uh, I look forward to that impact that the hunters will make uh, on different scenes that they'll be exposed to. It's going to be interesting from our program and publication side. I'm just kind of encouraging everybody to, you know, sit back, buckle up, because we're going to be in for an interesting ride. The door is open for some brand new horizons uh, for us. And personally, knowing the hotters, I know that they're uh, they're not afraid of those kind of challenges, and they're not they're not afraid to walk uh, into the unknown um, and and adapt and and to try to work work with that. So I think it's it's exciting days uh, are ahead for us. So we continue part two of our interview with Commissioners Kenneth and Jolene Hodder, new national leaders of the Salvation Army. I know that you both uh, have a strong lineage behind you in the Salvation Army. This might not be an easy question, but we're just curious um, about uh, who and what influenced you best in your formative and growing up years. Well, that's a piece of cake for me. It's my mom and my dad who were corps officers, um, their whole officership, and every day putting on their uniform, uh, role modeling the loving service and sacrifice. And even um, as I graduated from college and went my own way, um, stopped going to the corps, I never forgot, never forgot their um, their life. And uh, that's what brought me that's what kept me close to the Lord, and it's what brought me back to the Lord and to the Army. Hmm. My answer would be the same, I think, uh, Jeff. Uh, when you are the child of Salvation Army officers, you move so much that you have an opportunity to build uh, a strength in your family relationships that is truly unique because home is wherever the family happens to be. So uh, if the officers... Uh, are conscious of that and make a, a, an intentional effort to encourage their children to keep them close, uh, their influence on their children is going to be massive. And uh, that was true in my own life as well. I know, uh, Commissioner Jolene, you recently, your father was promoted to glory. Yes. Um, and your mom stills in Salem, right? In Salem? Yes, Washington? she is. Yeah. She must be thrilled to the hills and, and, and to the moon and back about what's happening in your life. She is. She's very supportive, she, and I'm sure that uh, my dad would have been too. You know, again, seeing the way that my father lived, but even more importantly, seeing the way that he died um, – brings me to the Lord, closer to the Lord every single day, to be in such pain and yet have such hope and to be able to sing around his bedside and um, sing him into heaven will be a memory that I will never forget. And I think that's what sustains my mother even today, is to know where he is 
and um, that someday we'll be there with him. It's 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 a beautiful hope that we Christians um, can claim. I think our our learned listeners would know that the the name Hodder has been around for a while and at national headquarters because there was a commissioner, the commissioner's Hodder before. These commissioners hotter. Am I yes, correct there, sir? <laughs> you are correct. Yes, indeed. And I'm. And I, I, how how are your your folks uh, handling uh, the news? <laughs> oh, well, they're obviously very pleased and very proud. Although I have to say, the first thing my father said to me when he heard about our appointment was, "Now, son, you have to make sure that my picture is still hanging in the hallway." <laughs> So <laughs> I'm going to have to check on that as soon as I arrive. Well, you guys look identical, so I mean, you could <laughs> you, you could use use your headshot. Your your, your folks were my first uh, divisional commanders when I was a young lieutenant, as he used to love to say, lieutenant. Wow. He, he he scared the bejeebers out of me, you know. But and I I remember having a lovely conversation a few years ago when he. They visited the training college when I was the training principal there. And and uh, your dad always made me nervous. I just always kind of <laughs> broke out in a sweat, you know, whenever he was around. <laughs> and, you know, he he, put, he said, you know, Tim, um, I remember you. And I remember I wanted to give you an opportunity. Some people on divisional headquarters thought you were too young. But, you know, your dad believed in me when I was – like 22 mm. years old to be a core mm. officer in Oxnard. And I'll always remember that and always remember the encouragement uh, that they both gave. And I, I've seen that in both of you personally uh, over the years. I've seen the encouragement. You, you hold people accountable. You have goals. You have things in mind. But you're always encouraging people. And well, so, that's very kind of you. I hope that that characterizes our leadership. We... Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, my father has always had that uh, ability to encourage people. So I'm delighted to hear that you think we've inherited that. I, uh, I want you to continue to encourage us. Yeah, How about right. that? <laughs> Carry on that tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> now let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious, though, since you both were you both were in children of the regiment, so to speak. Uh, how, how did you come to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior as individuals? I accepted Christ at a youth event, a territorial guard encampment, which took place on the Russian River in Northern California. And Barbara Hood preached a sermon and led me to the Lord. That's wonderful. And I found Christ at the age of seven, at the Oakland Citadel Corps on a Sunday night. And uh, uh, as a seven-year-old boy, I was sitting in the back row. Uh, and as I recall, I was scribbling in a songbook. And uh, something about that night, something about the message, suddenly moved me. And so I went forward and knelt at the altar. And uh, again, under the uh, loving guidance of my father, uh, I accepted Jesus Christ, and uh, it changed everything. Well, we're committed to sharing 
the gospel, the good news of Christ through our publications and through our podcasts, through our programs. And we're excited that you both have, uh, you know, these personal living testimonies with the Lord and that you too will become part of our team in publications as we share uh, the message of, of Christ. So thank Amen. you for sharing Amen. that testimony. With us. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. You, you were able to uh, have a full life from early childhood with, with Jesus by your side. Of course, the army deals with so many people who come to uh, the Lord the hard way and the army has a heart for them. And uh, we certainly do too. And that's what we try to communicate through our publishing efforts, you know, to draw people in. And we just pray that God uses, you know, what we, the tools we have to accomplish his will. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens so, regularly, Jeff. I, how many times have I heard people say that they read the war cry or uh, a Salvation Army officer has spoken with them? And uh, it uh, transforms them because uh, the Holy Spirit works through them. And uh, so I'm confident that is still happening. God is still using the Salvation Army to do precisely that. Mm. Yeah, interesting. We had an observation by uh, Envoy Ken Locke who's saying during this pandemic, he's finding an openness to the gospel like never before. I know you alluded to that earlier, Commissioner Jolene. But uh, it's, uh, you know, there's an opportunity there in this new environment. Oh, absolutely. You know, in a situation like this, uh, which is really a disaster without edges, it affects uh, everything. It's no respecter of persons. We don't know how long it's going to last. People's uh, foundation for their lives has been shaken and badly shaken. So everyone's in transition, and it is at those transition moments that God can speak most powerfully because it is in those moments that we realize that he is the only rock. He is the only certainty. And uh, so people reach out for it, and the army is beautifully positioned uh, to make that clear in so many ways to so many. You uh, probably alluded to this already in certain ways, but we'd like to get your ideas about um, what you see ahead for you as you come into your new appointments. Um, How do you envision helping the Army rise to the current challenges in terms of human need and the economic challenges as well? I think my wife and I would want to do the same thing. I think we want to call the Salvation Army to be what God created it to be. There is no organization in the world of uh, any kind, in my judgment, that can meet human need the way the Salvation Army can. There is no organization with the history, with the organizational structure, with the personnel, with the training, with the experience, and indeed with the mission uh, to help others like the Salvation Army. It is completely unique. You know, we often say we're the largest non-governmental provider of social services in the world, and that is true, but we're also one of the, as a consequence, one of the greatest expressions of the gospel uh, to people in need. 
So that unique position is something that my wife and I want to call salvationists and those who support the Salvation Army to remember as we go forward. Commissioner, it was over two years ago that you uh, gave my wife and I a call uh, to let us know that we were being transferred out of the territory to national headquarters. It came as a big uh, shock and surprise to us, but uh, we were, you know, honored um, and have enjoyed our appointment here. But one of the things that we're, as you know, we were working very closely with the a lot of the city officials in San Francisco on the huge homeless problem. And both Cindy and I were very personally involved in this and our staffs and and whatnot. But we were also very encouraged by the fact that you had developed um, a homeless initiative for the Western Territory. It really has taken shape. And you you have shown, even in the COVID crisis, the homeless are vaulted up as, as... a population that needs to be cared for, nurtured, and looked after. Yep. Um, and you have rallied uh, the officers and soldiers and employees of the West, and we commend you for that. I, we're just just curious as you're as you're leaving uh, the the West. What's what's the latest update with that initiative? What uh, where where will it will it be at at, at the moment that both you and Commissioner Jolene head east? Well, that's a a great question, Tim. First of all, let me go back to what you said at the outset and uh, just note that in hindsight, the appointment of you and your wife to national headquarters was a stroke of genius because now I get to work with you again. (laughs) Well, 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 hopefully it won't cause you a stroke. Uh, (laughs) We'll want to keep the genius in. And please attribute that to my wife. So I think it's it's going to be great. The Lord's hand was really in it. Well, as you know, Tim, uh, the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of people living at the base of huge skyscrapers that symbolize the uh, vibrancy of our commerce and industry in this country is inexcusable. It's totally unacceptable. Uh, And the Salvation Army, which has been doing this kind of work for 155 years, simply cannot sit back and allow that to continue. So last year, we initiated a program called The Way Out, as you know. And the goal at the time was to double the Salvation Army's impact on homelessness in the Western United States within five years. Well, we've already surpassed it. Uh, In the course of the last year, and particularly in the course of the last eight weeks, the number of people that we're impacting uh, who are homeless has absolutely exploded. Uh, We are now clearing out thrift stores in order to provide safe housing for people who would otherwise be vulnerable on the streets. We are taking charge of hotels and motels, providing not only housing, but food and support and encouragement to escape homelessness to those who are coming to us. So my hope and my prayer is that the enormous acceleration in that effort, which the COVID-19 crisis has uh, uh, created, will 
last, that the collaborations and the partnerships that we have formed in this emergency situation will lead to greater collaborations and partnerships on a permanent basis. We have governments that are saying, well, now that the Salvation Army has proven it can do this, we want to work with the Salvation Army again. Uh, cities, counties, states, the federal government is saying this. Uh, I think that there's every reason to believe that the Salvation Army is going to uh, renew its commitment across the country to those people who are at the very bottom of society, who are the most forgotten and the most vulnerable. And that that, and quite frankly, that is precisely where we need to be. Yeah, one of the great things about the Army is its ability to cross boundaries and to be, you know, uh, a generator of the, of the common good. So your point, point is very well taken. Uh, I have the privilege in editorial work to be acquainted very well with the Army's great literary tradition for people like General Orsborne and General Brown and other great, and back to William Booth, who or were so respected the written word, the communicated word, and were so erudite in expressing it uh, in the gospel. Um, what do you respect most about the Salvation Army's tradition? For me, it would be simply the ability we have to adapt to the needs of the community. I don't know any other organization that um, really is as good as we are at just going in and finding out what needs to be done and rolling up our sleeves and doing it. And the fact that we don't have to compete with someone else, if someone else is doing it, great. They're doing it well, let them do it, and we'll move on to something else. Uh, it's a great question, Jeff. I think I would have two answers to that. First, uh, I have, uh, uh, I've always loved, I should say, the Salvation Army's high view of discipleship. And by that I mean, that we understand discipleship to be an all-encompassing endeavor, that it should touch every part of who we are. Uh, so the Salvationist is not limited to worship on Sundays. We're not limited to a particular style of worship. We're not limited, as my wife suggests, to a particular area of endeavor or, or service. Discipleship is everything for us. And that accompanies the second thing that I've always respected, and that is the attitude of self-sacrifice. Salvation Army officers don't receive wages. They don't receive uh, a salary. They receive an allowance, and that is by intention that the Salvation Army wants everyone, particularly its officers, to have imbibed this notion of sacrificing themselves for the gospel. That, I think, is one of the greatest salvationist traditions. And uh, I want to see that uh, emphasized in the years to come. What would you both like to see the Salvation Army take on uh, as challenges and opportunities for growth? I want to see more women and minorities trained and prepared for top leadership positions. Um, I think that uh, we have a great uh, way to go in that. And if we can help people be all they were meant to be in Christ Jesus, there isn't anything that this army can't do. Mm. I would agree with that. 
I would say that the opportunities in terms of our leadership development uh, are enormous, and we ought to take advantage of them. But it, that's a part of something larger, and I think that is a willingness on the part of salvationists to change, an openness to new ways of doing things, an openness to exploring uh, things that we've never done before for reasons uh, uh, based upon tradition or, or, or the way we've always done it. Uh, I would like to see the Salvation Army uh, embrace change uh, as it embraced innovation in its early days. Uh, we still have the ability to do it, and we should reclaim it. But there needs to be a balance, too, because we have a great tradition. So I think that's where the rub is, that you we've got to look at everything. Mm. It's true. Well, well and as you, as you come to national, the 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 view is different the and it's it's a great view you're you'll you'll find inspiration and encouragement by seeing what really is happening uh, nationwide and worldwide of course but you know in particular nationwide and uh we're we're very excited from our publication side to be able to promote and tell those stories over and over we never get tired of it i mean it's no. it's it's great Absolutely. Yeah, you've given uh, us, our readers our, and our listeners much to think about, and you've had your sentiments that you've expressed are really down to earth and compelling. Um, now, I know both of you, with your skills, education, and background, you could have taken so many paths in life. Um, how has God led and sustained you during your officership, and how do you stay connected with Him? You know, I'll tell you a secret. Sometimes I, I think that I'm God's favorite child. <laughs> I can't explain it any hey, other hey, way. Hey, hey, hey. I can't. It's a lovely I feeling. Mean, yeah. I look at my life, and I there's just been one blessing after another after another, one adventure. It's like an e-ticket ride for those of you who are, are old like me and know what that means. Um, I, I just... He has been so incredibly good to me that yeah. every morning he and I have coffee together and um, we don't miss a day and we just spend time together. And um, whenever I start perhaps to feel sorry for myself or wondering what's next or why something happened, I just look back and I see the stepstones of his blessings and um, that's what sustains me. Hmm. I have always uh, enjoyed uh, Brother Lawrence, the practice of the presence of God, to live in a constant awareness of prayer and a constant awareness of the world that he has created. I stay connected to God, therefore, by being alert or trying to be alert to all the things that happen. Uh, to say little prayers throughout the day, uh, to ask constantly to sacrifice myself uh, for the good of the gospel. Uh, and I find that a wonderfully enriching way to live. Uh, and that has sustained me countless times over my life. Well, we really want to thank both of you for taking time 
today uh, as we know you're not you're not just kind of sitting around lounging out there in the west <laughs> before you come out here and you certainly <laughs> won't be sitting around lounging here uh, as well right but, uh you know we'll we'll make sure we, we and if you get bored we'll just have you write something for us so <laughs> we'll, we just remember it's the editorial director that's constantly nagging you for stories it's not it's i haven't started story. yet <laughs> but well I, I know you've already given me my next deadline tim so don't worry i'll meet it i'll meet it well, and funny enough, we were just talking yesterday about bugging you for something for Christmas. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is which is great. You can think about Christmas in June and July. Yeah, I'll yeah, you really can. <laughs> but I was just wondering if both of you have any kind of uh, final uh, words or for our listeners or in, anything on your heart that or questions you may have and maybe something we haven't covered that you'd like. To just if share. there's one thing that we would want people who are listening to this podcast today to know is that God loves you. Mm. Mm. He cares about every part of your life. He's concerned about everything that concerns you. And we would not want to end this interview without reminding you of the fact that God is there to forgive you. He's there to welcome you as his child. He's there with a life that is better than any other you could ever imagine or plan for yourself. So we would want people who are listening today to remember that what it says in John 3.16 is as true now as it ever was, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Well, well said. Well, thank you so much. We've uh, we've really enjoyed uh, these few moments, and we look forward to working side by side with you. And thank you for your support of national programs and publications. Thanks, Tim. We'll see you soon. Thank you. God bless you. Well, that's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to follow the War Cry and Peer Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Stay healthy and happy, and may God bless you. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.